You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Six Pack is brought to you by Window Nation. Cut your energy bills up to 30% this winter. Call Window Nation today. Buy two windows, get two free with no interest payments until 2025. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. It's Jason and Ken's Six Pack. Inside access to what the boys are drinking. <laughs> I mean, thank you. 1057 The Fan. It's our first of two six packs on a victory Monday. It's defensive observations, and let's get started. Number six. They still have trouble with the tight ends, Jason. Uh, Greg Dulcich, six for 85. They can't seem to cover them. I I, I couldn't tell from, from looking at it yet what the issue was, but that guy was open a lot, and he had himself a nice game. He did. I have it slightly, slightly higher, but it's also worth noting on a day when they did dominate, and most of this will be positive. You have to factor in the opponent and kind of look at the totality of this. And, yes, Factor in some season-long narratives as well, because that's what we do. This is my six. When they went play action under center, it felt like it was a problem. And then I ran the numbers on True Media, and it was a problem. Um, Russell Wilson had 10 dropbacks under center. So no pistol, no shotgun, which was tied for the second most in the NFL this week. I'm sorry, third most. He went 8-10 for 121 yards, 80% completion percentage, 12 yards per attempt. Again, this is for a pop gun offense, 117.1 rating. I actually, and we talked about coming in and we had Jeff Legwald on, and it's like, if you'd watched them the last three weeks, you're like, this actually looks kind of interesting. They still refuse to do it as much as they should because Nathaniel Hackett's a jackass. But, like, other teams are going to look at that and say, well, wait a minute, dude. And they weren't even trying to throw to the receivers in the first half. Like, they, they can't sort of bite on some of that stuff as much as they did. So that's just something to sort of squirrel away when they face better offenses. But as I'm watching the game, I, every time I'm writing UC, it looked like a positive play. And sure enough, it pretty much was. Number five. Yeah, this is where I put the, the tight end issue. Again, you, you go and you, you load up on linebackers. You got to be able to cover tight ends. And they went through a string where, like, the Giants didn't have any, right? Bellinger was just starting yeah. to play. The Saints are, like, the least tight end usage in the league, and they decided not even to throw the ball to Taysom Hill in that game. Carolina has no tight ends, right? The kid from Baltimore, Ian Thomas, that's it. And it was cold, yeah. and Baker Mayfield didn't want to play. And then Jacksonville's not a tight end team. Well, Russ was only thrown at one place in the first half, and the guy called five or six balls for 55. Um, I think three catches of 19 yards or more? Yeah. That's that's a little troubling. My five is I, I, I don't know if if it was Russell Wilson or if he played well. I, I want to look at it again. But 
Uh, Marcus Peters did not look terrible yesterday. I did not circle Marcus Peters struggling in coverage yesterday. And for me, I'll take that as a net positive coming off the game last week. Number four. Uh, They kept Latavius Murray in check. 11 carries for 47 yards. I I thought he might. He had an early run of like eight, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh. But Latavius Murray, there was no Latavius Murray revenge game. Well, he was the leading rusher of all running backs in the game, yeah, as well, I told you. Yeah, as did. I told you, he, he would did. be, yeah. and it wasn't yeah, even really that yeah, close. Yeah. Yeah. I laughed. I told you. He didn't I, have to get, I said he doesn't have to get to 50, You're but right. he will still. Yeah. You're right. I, I nailed that one. Uh, my four, I didn't know where to put this. Maybe it's too low. Maybe it's too high because they won the game and he only gave up nine points. But the situational football at the end of half still gives me great pause. Oh. Uh. And in the first half, it cost them points. And in the second half, I swear if there were five to eight more seconds, they they might lose that on a field goal. Um, You can't give up the chunk yards like they do. I mean, the rush scrambles one thing, but, like, it's such a limited offense. You know the ball can only go to certain quadrants of the field based on, you know, time and and timeouts left, et cetera. And they still get in position to kick what was not, you know – it wasn't 70. I mean, I get it. It was a long field goal, but it wasn't obscene. Got to be better than that. Got Chase in round one. The under center thing, especially play action, when you look at their upcoming games against all teams that can really yep. run the football and the Steelers and the Browns and even the Falcons and Steelers again, Bengals, that's going to be something to keep an eye on moving forward. We're doing the six-pack of defensive observations, and let's continue. Number three. I'm a a little worried about the pass rush. Um, That's a really bad offensive line. And, you know, Houston is kind of like... And and he wasn't going to get two sacks every week, but... I don't... It just feels like they don't really get a couple of guys going at once. And and there were long stretches of that game where I, I was kind of waiting for them to get pressure without having to blitz, and it wasn't really there. You know, and when they did get pressure, it was they, they had to bring numbers to do it. So um, it's got me wanting to see a Jabo. Like, I, it's December. We're yeah. heading towards. I'll say this. They were the, averaging four sacks a game for, like, over a month. But a lot of them was. I'm, I'm talking more about the edge. Yeah. A lot of it was coming with Broderick Washington and Calais Campbell and those guys, and you're only going to get so much of that. But this edge group, I, I feel like it. We've never had, never felt like two guys are really like getting it done at the same time. Oh, yeah, got a sack. He got a sack. He did. <laughs> oh, Wade did get a sack. My three is Marlon he Humphrey. Got a sack. Marlon Humphrey continues his solid season. Uh, he, he was good in coverage. Seven tackles, five solo. He also had a sack yesterday. Uh, Marlon Humphrey quietly having a nice year. Number two. Roquan Smith was absolutely everywhere yesterday. That guy, we knew it when they got him, but you watch him closer now that he's a Raven. 11 tackles, 6 solo, 2 tackles for loss, and he's a short tackler. It's very rare you see him miss a tackle yep. when he's near a guy. He's just, he. if you like watching inside linebackers play, he's a joy to watch. Well, he's a part of my number two, which was job number one for them was shut down the run, and they did it, and he was a big part of that, and Matabike uh, and Calais Campbell were a big part of that, but 28 rushes for 88 yards, 3.1 per carry. The only explosive run was Russ's 17-yard scramble at the end. Um, no running back produced a run over 10 yards. You know, that was sort of the one thing where, uh, all right, well, if that slips up, then, you know, maybe the Broncos 
can win this thing, and they almost won it even without that happening. But they are an elite run-stuffing team, and they flex their muscles again. Number one. This has kind of been number one for me for almost all of their victories, maybe all of them. But, like, their defensive identity is win third down and get takeaways. Well, this wasn't a big takeaway game. But you keep the other team two for 12 on third downs. You're probably going to hold them to, uh, you know, 14 points or less. In this case, they held them to nine. But they, they, they dominated third down, and that's not a team that's going to get explosive plays. So that's pretty much a recipe for a Ravens ugly win. My number one is not only did they keep the Broncos out of the end zone, they kept them out of the red zone. They kept this a one possession game and gave the Ravens an opportunity to steal it at the end. That was domination. It was ugly, but it's dominant, and that's how they won the game. Way to take down the ginger gorilla. Well, my one, my one didn't even have a chance. It was decided before my one. Similar, overdue, Sharky. You guys were right there. We got robbed last week. The edge rush thing is interesting. Where Houston, I mean, was just on a tear for a nice handful of weeks, and now he's kind of slowed up. We know they haven't gotten much out of Adafi Owe, but will the other guys get the party? Are we going to see an Ajabo Mm. in in uh, upcoming weeks? But the third down defense, they forced. Three, three and outs in that game. Two for 12. I mean, they just they couldn't keep any drive alive. No. I thought it was keeping them out of the red zone. I thought it was a pretty big deal. Well, yeah. Hand in hand. That's well, what I'm saying. They're, yeah. punt, they're punting if it's three and out. They're hand not getting in the red zone. Coming up and they next, have no explosion in their offense. Next, TMI, <laughs> TIM, T-Bone, what you got? Going to take a look at how our best bets did from Friday. And, Jason, you alluded to it. One of your bold predictions hit. So we'll take a look at both of your guys' bold predictions from Friday next on Inside Access. Inside Access. Hot takes from the guy behind the glass. I'm in a glass case of emotion. TMI with TIM. TMI. TMI, my friends. Inside Access. 1057 The Fan. It's T-Bone time. It's TMI with T-I-M. And what you got for us? Best bets. I still have one pending tonight. Oh, a little Monday Night uh, Football yeah, action. Stony Balone. Following so we call, his, uh, so we call the big balloon. Yeah, following his typical strategy, picking Monday night. He didn't even do any primetime this week. I have the Bucks. I saw that the spread fell. Um, to three, but I you bet it at three and a half. It's, it's locked yeah, it's, in. It's locked in. It's locked in. So I, I was one and one yesterday. I had the Vikings minus three, and they did their darndest. Oh, to, they, they, they tried. Got lucky as hell. <laughs> they tried to get that backdoor cover. Vikings are ten and two, nine and zero oh in one score games. I mean that. They had a lot of red zone breaks go their way in that one. Uh, man. Mike White had plenty how of about Braxton Berrios dropping that ball, yeah, rolling around in the in the end zone. And yeah. and then. I had the Falcons plus one at home. Don't look now. Buried the Steelers. They win two straight games. They're five and seven. I still don't think they're making a playoff. Yeah, yeah, they are. They'll survive a nuclear winter. I still don't think they're making a playoffs, and I still think they're going to have a losing record, but we shall see this Sunday. Steelers won that one 19 to 16. So one and one with my Monday night game pending, Ken. I, like you, had the Vikings and had to sweat that one because Mike F. and White almost won it for the Jets. I also had the Lions minus one against the Jaguars. They beat the living hell out of them. Didn't have to sweat that one. But I did jump, and I said this Friday from Cross Street. I said, I'm going to ride the Seahawks again, even though they hurt me the previous week. (sighs) 
Well, they hurt me again. Yeah. <laughs> Seven-point favorites against a Rams team where everybody's sitting out. Was the, they, basically, it was a preseason roster. Yeah, and they still were able to cover, so I went 2-1 and one this week. But it's my first winning week in a few. Yeah. Um, I went 2-1 and one as well. Denver plus 9.5. That was uh, way too many points, yeah. as we know. Fandle Sportsbook uh, hit that. Jags and Lions going over 51, which they did. And then I had Jets Vikings under forty four and a half, which the fourth quarter points explosion blew that out. So I went two and one. Mm. Balone stone most importantly. Uh, Ken, we didn't get stoned. The I had them in a pick them, but the Lions beat the Jags as you mentioned. Yes, beat the hell out of them. I was my the nephew. Other... My nephew's going to the Lions Vikings game next weekend in it's Detroit. A big one. Nice. He's a big blue Lions fan. I was on the other side of that Commanders game. I had Giants plus two at home, and it was a tie, so I win that one. And then my one loss of the week, I had Chiefs minus two, and they lost to the Bengals by three. So two and one? Yeah, he's, two and one. he's he really breaks the bit. It kills the <laughs> It's bit. over. Well, we'll we, never have that 0-14 streak again. Yeah, the balloon. The balloon. It was, like, was it 1-16 at one point? Yeah. I think it was like 1-18. It was bad. I think it was 1-18. 1-18 was yeah. the peak. Yeah. That was peak balloon. <laughs> during, during the break, we got to find out what you're up to now, Stone. Like, especially well, we, since we that We stopped point. keeping track. Since that point, it might be a few weeks behind. We'll do that during the break. But we also do bowl predictions every Friday. And Jason, I guess we'll start with you because... I laughed at you at the Cross Street Market when you said... You scoffed in my I face. Did. I'll, I'll I laughed as well. I'll own it. Because Ken, I, I know one of yours, obviously it didn't happen. Spoiler yeah. alert. Well, Gus Lamar Edwards, got hurt everything. Yeah, Gus Edwards, 90 yards rushing. I thought Gus was going to have a day, but... He did not, and you said that Latavius Murray would be the would be the rusher. would would be the leading rusher of among all running backs in this game. And then you're like, "Well, they don't even get 50 yards again." I, I said, "I'm like, you, you don't even get to 60 yards." I, said, I didn't say he's going to get to 60 yards. <laughs> you did. Said he's going to get volume, and he's going to be the number one rushing back running back in this game. He, he got was. both at a whopping 2.8 yards per carry. Yes, he did. <laughs> he, it's got called, he got the volume. He got the volume. He got the volume. Pump up the volume. volume. I thought Lamar would get a lot of volume. Obviously, yeah, he got know. hurt, so yeah. I missed that. I thought Likely would score a touchdown. Uh, I thought there would be two total touchdowns in the game. I, I was high on that. I do want to say Likely had a very nice catch and that, run. Yeah, final drive. He final was big. Drive. A couple catches. Yeah, him coming back that, from the yeah, injury that was, was, was stinger. stinger, whatever, was big. I thought Justin Houston would get off. He didn't. And I, I thought, again, I thought there'd be two touchdowns in the game, but I thought the Ravens would have four field goals. And. They didn't no. even attempt four field goals. No, they did not. Uh, my my picks were awful. Uh, Mark Andrews bounce back game seven for ninety in a tutty. Gus Edwards ninety five yards rushing. He mm. had eight six carries for twelve yards. Calais Campbell two sacks. He got close to one, but did not get close to two. Russell Wilson one hundred seventy yards passing and two interceptions. If not close for the final drive, I was real close to that one. Close to the yardage. not the picks, but the yeah, yardage. The yardage. Uh, Lamar Jackson one hundred seventy five yards passing, seventy five yards rushing. He had eleven yards passing and nine yards rushing. What if you combine Huntley and Lamar Jackson's stat line? It might have been Ooh, somewhat eh, close. Somewhere close. Been. And then the Ravens sack Russell Wilson six times, forced three to- turnovers in a twenty to thirteen win. Yeah, that was a well. I, got, I guess. Catch. Technically, I got one of mine right because I said yeah. that Russ's receiving rushing total. I mean, I said that Lamar's rushing total and passing total would be within thirty yards of each other. So I got that right. <laughs> you did. I did. I got yeah. that right. He did. 
Yeah, 11 and 9. That is correct. I got that right. <laughs> you know what would have been good if you said they were within two yards of each other? Well, that would have been I, impressive. I, yeah, that would have been special. Uh, yeah, that would have been some bounce back fallback you stuff. You can't force it. Yeah, yeah that, that would have been impressive. Hey, coming up next, speaking of impressive, Jonas Schaefer does an impressive job covering the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. He was at John Harbaugh's Monday press conference. We'll get his thoughts on the Ravens' 10 9 victory and when he thinks Lamar Jackson will be back next here on The Fan. Inside Access with Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman. Sports on Demand, 105.7, the voice of the fan. It was not a work of art, maybe a Picasso, but the Ravens beat the Broncos yesterday 10-9. Let's talk some Ravens as we head out to the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline. Jonas Schaefer covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun, and he joins us now. And Jonas, before we get to the game itself, you were at John Harbaugh's press conference. Lamar Jackson, do you have a read on when you would expect him to be playing football again? Uh, I don't. I, I guess. You know, you look online and you try to put your amateur doctor hat on and you see all this stuff about knee sprains and how even the most minor ones can still take some time to, you know, to to fully recover from. And he is a generational athlete who's going to be smart about his body. So, you know, even if he is back in practice next week or maybe a week after that, that might not be the week that he plays. And, you know, even if he does play, is he going to be as effective, uh, you know, in terms of, being a run threat as he was before, probably not. So um, I would be surprised if he plays this week or next week. Um, and I guess we'll we'll see if uh, see if Huntley can uh, can do the job. Well, sticking with that, Jonas, let's go out on a limb and say that Tyler Huntley is going to start Sunday against the Steelers. How different is this offense with Huntley compared to Lamar? Very different, I, I think. Um, obviously, we saw some of the run threat stuff that he was able to do we saw him take that you know up that kind of deer option or counter bash or whatever it was on that fourth and two and convert it just like we've seen Lamar do time and time again but you know, I wrote this last year after he took over it's a very different kind of passer in terms of what his ambitions are that's not to say that he won't look for a deep shot if he thinks he has it but um, Lamar traditionally has been a deep ball thrower and Tyler Huntley has been a three-step drop, five-step drop, the ball is out in you know, 2.5, 2.7 seconds. Um, obviously, he's, he's going to scramble, like, and we saw him do a pretty good job of that on Sunday. But um, you just worry about, you know, our defenses, our secondary is going to start driving on some of these seven-yard hitches because that's all they feel that Huntley and this passing offense is capable of completing. I mean, like last year, he had Hollywood Brown. He had Rashad Bateman. And, it was a still pretty limited yeah. air yard offense, and now he doesn't. Now, you know, Devin Duvernay doesn't look quite as explosive, and it's more tight ends. And you know, even with Pat Ricard off the field, you're still not seeing a whole lot of downfield stuff with these spread looks. So, um, I think it's a, a narrow margin for error, but maybe it'll work because, as we saw yesterday, and as we saw last year, Tyler Huntley, when he's on, can be a very, very accurate quarterback. So. Putting all that into a bouillon base and at the risk of um, angering Harbs, because I know he's not in the narratives these days, but if that's the construct of the passing game 
and we know what teams have been doing to the running game. And now you have to fear anything downfield even less, and you've got a far inferior quarterback in terms of improvisation and and what he can do with his legs. Uh, me thinks we might be talking about this narrative for for weeks to come, Jonas. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I keep coming back to, Jason, is what are the easy buttons going to be in this offense? Because even yeah. with Lamar in there, there wasn't a whole lot. I think the biggest red flag, and I'm probably going to be touching on this you know, in the, in the coming days, was you look at the true media stats you know, from basically weeks one to nine. So before they hit the bye, they were like number seven or so in terms of the yards of contact, you know, yards per carry before mm-hmm. contact in the NFL. It was something like 2.2, which is obviously – good time because you're keeping defenses off balance and you're also giving your running backs a little bit more time to you know get going to, yeah. to get get themselves in the position where they can run people over or juke people past three weeks basically since they got back from the bye they're like 23rd and i don't know how much of that can be attributable to the fact that defenses are playing them any differently or you know maybe it's just the ronnie stanley situation but that is a drastic difference, and that is a huge, huge issue, I think, for this offense because if you can't be a team that can establish the run, if the play-action passing game continues to be as much of a drag as it has been, you know, I don't think there's a – you know, it's been kind of scientifically, empirically borne out that there's not a huge link between play-action success and run success, but I still think you need a, a modicum of respectability mm-hmm. there in the run game to, to have some chances there. Then I just don't know what, what this offense goes to because there, there's not a lot of – you know, stud talent out there besides Mark Andrews. And, you know, who knows what kind of percent he's playing at considering all the injuries that he's been through already this season. We're speaking to Jonas Schaefer, who covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. It's inside access on the fan. And Jonas sticking with that, and I think the stats kind of bear it out, this offensive line, ever since the bye week, has been sketchy at best. Carolina dominated the line of scrimmage at Jacksonville, and then yesterday against Denver, and that Broncos pass rush wasn't doing much uh, after they traded Bradley Chubb before yesterday. Uh, what have you thought about this offensive line over the last three games? Yeah, just not a lot of push, not a lot of great execution. Uh, I think even on that fourth and two uh, run by Huntley. You look at Kevin Zeitler, who's obviously a consummate pro, and he is late out of his stance. He's a little bit uncertain, pulling from right to left to be able to take on that, you know, that that um, upcoming that that incoming linebacker. Uh, you know, Huntley did him a great favor by kind of you know setting up that block, giving him enough time to get to that second level, and you know have the Ravens in position to move the chains. But um, you know, Patrick McCarry's had a little bit of a regression. I think Ben Powers has been, you know, probably the toughest slide of his of his season. Just had a, I don't think he's had a couple. It's, it's been a you know, rough play for him these past couple of games as a run blocker, as a pass blocker. Um, they obviously miss Ronnie Stanley for for what he can do, for the way that he can keep defenses off balance with his with his ability to pull, with his ability to you know execute those down blocks to to get to the second level. So, um, you know, I think Morgan Moses has been good, but. I just think they need to find new ways to be creative. You know, get get Tyler Lindemann in space, find ways to weaponize his his you know agility and his acceleration and everything like that. Because you know this is a this is a part of the season where you know even if the odds say the Ravens are in good shape and make the playoffs, you really can't take any chances, and you need to reach deep into that vault, gentlemen, to, ah, to, try, to, to, to try to eke out as many successful plays as possible because they just haven't been there on tape. Hey. 
Jonas, interesting answer from Harps today about the trick play. And 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 and, and it is one word, Ken. Yeah, I, I I just wondered when I read it, like if you if it why not call a timeout or is it like if it, or veto it yeah, on the veto headset? Veto it on the headset, like uh, if it was a bad. What did what was what was your thought when you heard the answer? I thought it was a very uncommon response from from John, who is always defending his coordinators, uh, oftentimes tooth and nail. I mean, even when he was having troubles with Bink last year, there were more veiled, you know, uh, you know, slaps at, the, at what was called. This one was pretty direct. Obviously, there's not a lot of ambiguity about this play yeah. because of the unmitigated disastrousness of it. But, um, you know, as far as just the in-game model, you know, I guess you could, if you want to play – if you want to try to put yourself in Harvest's position, you know, the offense was rolling to that point. I think, you know, it was what first or second down at that point, and they were in field goal range. So why try to screw up a, a good thing with what Giro thinks is a good play, which uh, evidently was not. Ah. So uh, I just don't think John's the kind of guy to, to pull rank like that. Um, but uh, in this case, he maybe he probably should have. With where they are right now and facing two critical division games, Jonas, like split here and hold serve? I mean, do you think expecting them to beat both these teams probably with their backup quarterback is is a tall ask? Yeah, I, mean, I was just kind of joking with the guys, like considering how Deshaun Watson looked on oh, Sunday. Yeah. Who, would you, who would you put having a higher passer rating than that Week 15 game, Tyler Huntley or Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Because it, it might not be – I mean, I think honestly, like, the, the best that the Ravens can hope for for opponents doing them a favor is just having the Bengals take Cleveland to the woodshed this, this coming week. Just do whatever you can to, to beat them up, to dent their confidence. I think with D.J. Reader and Cleveland's not going to have any semblance of an offense because they're not going to be able to run the ball against Cincinnati because no one's been able to run the ball against Cincinnati with, with D.J. Reader in there. So uh, I think the Ravens can take one of the next two games. I think they can maybe – they do the two next next two games, but you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out of here zero and two. The defense is playing well. Uh, it's going to get even better with uh, you know with Marcus Marcus Williams coming back. We don't know if that's this weekend, but I, I think it will probably coming close to that. So that's going to maybe cover up some of the the you know twenty plus yard bombs that we saw Russell Wilson convert on Sunday. It's just going to be a you know a two game slate where they're going to need their defense to be top ten and they're going to need their special teams to be top one because otherwise there's not going to be a lot of chance for them to have a, a happy ending. Jonas, you mentioned Marcus Williams. I was right about to ask you about, him. but David Ajabo, uh, are you surprised he hasn't made his debut yet? Do you anticipate that being this week? It seems like you know at least I've thought this week, this week, and then it's not. Uh, it's really tough to tell. Um, you know, if you kind of map his return on what his training camp schedule would have been, I think we're at like five or six weeks at this point since he was back in practice, and that's about the length of training camp. So you would think that, all right, you know, if he's good to go physically, if he's still having to learn the rudimentary aspects of life in the NFL in the trenches, which is to say how to defend the run, how to, you know, drop into coverage, all the things that – Mike McDonald asks of those outside linebackers, then maybe, you know, we're, we're coming up on, on his debut. But, again, we're, we're flying a little bit blind here because we don't see a whole lot of him in practice. Uh, we don't know what his velocity might be while, when he's flying around out there coming off that Achilles. So I do think 
you know, he's going to make his debut at some point, uh, you know, over the, the next month and a half. But I just really have, have no sense for, for how close he might be. Jonah Schaefer covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. Did a masterful job of working happy ending in uh, with a potential matchup against the Browns in two oh, weeks. I, I, I do. I do. I was impressed uh, myself. But can, I, can I just say that, that – can I retroactively say that that was a, a, a tribute to the uh, late – much beloved ABC show Happy Endings, which ran oh, great early, show, early 2010. Great and show, incredible show. I yeah, so much. I, I was so sad much. when that show got canceled. Actually, that was very <laughs> funny. Uh, Jonas, how you feeling about the Terps before I let you go? Loving it, loving every minute of it, man. It's, uh, it's, it's. I personally don't care about where they end up in the AP poll. I'm more interested in the the nerd stats, but it is. It is a treat to you know look forward to noon Mondays uh, in a way that uh, I haven't in a in a few 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 years. And uh, did you guys talk at all about the uh, the Turgeon comments to the the local newspaper when he went when he went back to uh, Kansas or wherever it was? No, we we haven't oh, gotten to Turf yet, uh, but we will. Yeah, he, he said he was burnt out. Yes, uh, he also took a bunch of million dollars from Maryland after. Yeah, he also quit on those kids. Whatever. Yeah. Good riddance, Jonas. Thanks as thanks, always, brother. buddy. We'll talk next thanks, week. Guys. Take care. Inside Access will come back. This running game, which we was rolling three weeks ago, is now stuck in the mud. How confident are we that they can get it going again? We'll tell you next here on The Fan. Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman on The Fan. Are you team bar soap or team body wash? Oh, that's a good question. I just think the bar soap cleanses you better. Yes. To be with yes. Lock and Fora, Weinman, and Barbalace. I've always liked body wash. 1057 The Fan. Ravens' running game has basically struggled since they came off the bye. And remember, some of this was before Ronnie Stanley got hurt against Carolina. Harbs was asked about it after the game. Didn't want to talk about it. He wanted Don't. To talk. No, it's yeah. not time for narratives. Yeah, he just says, this is a win. We're going to talk about a win. So I'm going to ask you, because you're not about narratives. You're about... I am about narratives. Yeah, you're, you're, you want to... What do you mean to... I'm not about narratives? Well, you're obviously about narratives. Uh, I'm all narrative all the time. Would, do you have any confidence... This running game can get going anytime soon. No. I don't. Do you? Is that a zero percent? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying zero percent, uh, but like there's it's pretty clear now that there's a some recent film that if you crash those ends, the pistol runs are not happening outside and unless they revert to draws, they're having trouble running inside and the offensive line's getting beat her up up a little bit. <laughs> And now they went from having the best running quarterback, arguably in the history of the well, NFL, to a, a guy who can scramble, who's a willing athlete, but who's not Lamar Jackson. And I think, like, I don't think Lamar's playing the next two games conservatively. So I'll, I'll say this: Yeah, I don't think it's taken off now. Without Lamar Jackson, no. I think he's his the, his dynamic and the threat of him running the football does allow for them to get some things done, uh, but I don't think the teams are as threatened by Tyler Huntley as they are by Lamar Jackson. Of course not. I I agree. I mean, Lamar is the key to it. But even when he was in, guys, the last four games they only have one game in which running backs have averaged over four yards per carry, and that was the Panthers, where it was four point one. The game before that was the Bucks, when they averaged over seven yards per carry. What's concerning to me, and we just had Jonas Schaefer on, covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun, gave out that stat from True Media about the yards yes. before first contact, and that kind of reiterated the point that I've been bringing up today is 
this offensive line's performance since the bye week has left a lot to be desired. And Ronnie Stanley's been out. I get it. McCary was banged up yesterday. Falele, but... You have a regression of a Ben Powers. You, even Kevin Zeitler didn't have a great game yesterday. Moses has kind of been a little up and down. The offensive line is starting to give me a little bit of concern here, and you're about to take on a Steelers team twice in the span of less than a month. But then Gus Edwards. I mean, how healthy is Gus Edwards? He looked like himself prior to the injury uh, against Tampa Bay, but ever since he came back, he had the one nice run against Jacksonville. He only played 17 snaps yeah. yesterday, and that, and that kind of set off some alarms for me, Ken. No, I agree, and, and I also think that teams will key on the running back more without Lamar Jackson in there. You're going against a Steelers defense this week. That is a very good defense. Uh, I just maybe Dobbins is back this week, and maybe Dobbins is running well. But that's that's a lot of ifs. I don't think Dobbins comes back and looks like Dobbins pre-injury. I, I think you're you're fooling yourself. If if that if you're banking on that as like the salve or the salvation here, like I don't I don't think you can pull out a Dobbins bomb and rub it on this offense. And now he's Mister Outside, and they're gashing people. Outside the tackles again, I, I I don't now him with him eventually getting his sea legs under him with Ronnie Stanley and then Lamar comes back on the other side of Christmas or around Christmas. Okay, I I might start buying it then, but the reality is their running backs ran fourteen times for forty three yards in this game, three point oh seven per carry. Their last four games, running back seventy eight rushes, two hundred and eighty yards, three point six per carry. This at a time when the league average is the highest it's ever been in NFL history at 4-5 a carry, and they're almost a full yard under it. That's a problem. And they were going against the Denver defense where that was their weakness. 19th against the run, 19th uh, in yards per carry allowed, and they were 17th in DVOA, if you're into that analytics. Um, and the Ravens, diving deeper into that, they the running backs have one successful positive EPA, expected points uh, above average out of their 14 rushes, and again, Denver's defense, uh, rush defense that is not strong. Inside access here on a victory Monday. We're going to take a look at the rest of the National Football League. League at large coming up next. We're going to hear from Jalen Hurts. We're going to hear from Kyle Shanahan. We might even hear from Mike Effin White. League at large. I hope so. Next here on The Fan. Inside access with Jason and Ken. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 